Open up your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Chronicles 4. 1 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. Don't make the mistake I made in my early years that I would confuse 1 Chronicles with 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians is in the New Testament. 1 Chronicles is in the Old Testament. 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It is like the 13th book of the Bible. I think it's right after 2 Kings. I know this for sure. It's right before 2 Chronicles. Anyway, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. It's not going to get any better than this, I'm telling you right now. Anyway, 1 Chronicles chapter 4. We're doing a series called So Be It because amen means so be it. In other words, this is what happens when we pray. We say amen. In other words, we're declaring so be it. And we want to, with these different prayers, we want to see what we learn from these prayers. You know, last week we looked at the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus consecrated himself to obey the Father. He surrendered. What does that prayer tell us? Well, today we're going to talk about a guy named Jabez. How many of you have ever heard about a guy named Jabez? Let me see your hand right here. How many of you are glad that your parents didn't name you Jabez? Let me see your hand right here. Yeah, man. I don't have anything to thank my parents for. Oh, yes, you do. You thank them for that right there. You know, you may have been a lousy parent, but at least you never named me Jabez. Thank you. So anyway, this guy named Jabez, his name is mentioned in the middle of all of these genealogies, uh, genealogies that, are, that are being brought up. So-and-so was the brother of so-and-so. So-and-so was, uh, begat so-and-so and that type of thing. It was just very, just informational. And like right in the middle of it, it brings up this guy named Jabez. And so in 1 Chronicles 4, verse 9, it says this. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. Isn't that wild that your mom would name you after how horrible giving birth to you was? And actually, I looked up, you know, there's different meanings for his name. The one that that seemed to be most consistent with this is that his name means this. It means he makes sorrowful. He makes sorrowful. Their name, you know, names meant something to them back then. Every time, like, well, this is my, this is my son, Timmy, and this is my son, uh, Johnny, and this is my son, he makes sorrowful. You know what I mean? It's, it's one of those things. It's just amazing, you know, how that could impact you. That at your birth, you began to be known from the very beginning for how miserable your mother was in giving birth to you. Some of you waited till after that time. But I mean, right then in that time, that's what you get. So it, it's a, it, his name was Jabez, but this is what he did. It says, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. And then right after that, it goes back to just listening out uh, these different you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so, so-and-so was a brother of so-and-so. Just this guy's life was so significant that in this, this very informational passage, his name is specifically mentioned. And it was mentioned because of what he prayed over his life. It's just wild to think about that. So as we look at this prayer that he prayed, we want to see what we can learn from it. Number one is this, is that who we are is not defined by other people. Who we are is not defined by other people. You know that, you know, sometimes we let people, other people determine our identity. What they think about us. What they know about us. You know, and sometimes, man, the identity they give us comes from a broken place in their own life. You may have grown up in a home that it was hard for your parents to encourage you. 
that you hardly ever remember them saying something nice about you. And sometimes it was real easy for the enemy to take advantage of that, for the devil to take advantage of that and convince you that that's a reflection of your worth, of how important you are. But the truth of the matter is, is often it's not a picture of your brokenness, it's a picture of their brokenness. You know, Jabez right here, he was given a name based upon something he had no control over. And every time he would show up and his name was mentioned, they would say this about him, he makes sorrowful. But when you look at his life and the story that we get in this little paragraph, it's obviously not the extent of his story. His beginning may have been difficult. It may have been harsh, but it wasn't his end. Some of you were probably born into chaos, born into a situation that was just chaotic. And maybe it created so much trauma for you, so many things around you that were just challenging and hard. And it's so many times the devil will convince you that this is who you are. Let's go to one even bigger and even more challenging is sometimes people view us a certain way because of the things we've struggled with in our past. And so we carry the guilt and shame of those things around. But the beauty of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, when we receive him and accept him as our savior and surrender to him as our Lord, it's amazing what he does for us. And he begins to change our story. That the truth of the matter is, is that it says this, when we become a Christian, we become a new creature in Christ. That old things are passed away and all things are become new. And so when you think about your identity, what some people have said about you, how you see yourself, what you've gone through, it's really easy to carry that label around with us for the rest of your life. You say, well, Pastor Rick, why is this such a big deal? Man, it's huge. Because then we begin to think, about what we can, you know, what we should have, who we should be. Well, they can be that, but not me, because I did these things. God can use them that way, but not me, because this is what my story is. And the devil begins to use this identity that either our own brokenness, things that are beyond our control, other things has placed on us. And if we're not careful from there on out, it begins to be the map or the compass in our life. Jabez, for the rest of his life, could have said, from the beginning of my time, I just brought pain to my family. Even in my birth, I did. And forever, that could have, could have mapped out his life as to who he is and what he was going to experience. But to his credit, he didn't do that. It says that he prayed. And so one thing that prayer shows us is that we're not limited to how other people see us. We're not limited by the things that have happened to us or what's been done to us. Because our lives are not controlled by those around us that influence. And so as we look at this prayer right here, that how we see ourselves impacts the way we pray, impacts the things we do. And, and you can hang on to it or you can start seeing yourself the way that God sees you. So number one is this, is that who we are is not defined by other people. Let's keep reading. It says, there's a man named Jabez who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. So this, he was the one. Everybody say, he was the one. And then it goes on to say, he was the one who. I wonder what he did that set him apart. And it says, he was the one who prayed. 
It doesn't say he was the one that was perfect. He may not have even been his mother's favorite. You know, sometimes we're like, well, man, if I was my mom and dad's favorite, things would have turned out different for me. I doubt if your mom named you he who brings sorrow, that you were probably not her favorite. But the truth of the matter is, is that with this, that the thing that set him apart was not what his, how his family saw him. It wasn't the things he did. The thing that set him apart is the fact that he prayed. Here's the second thing this prayer shows us. Number two is this, is that prayer sets us apart. <clears throat> you don't have to turn there, but in James chapter five, it says this, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Now listen, the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are. And yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, None fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. So right here it says this, that the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. You know, as Christians, you know, one of the things we're called to do is pray and I think, you know, most of us struggle with it. And I think one main reason is, is because often we've, we've viewed prayer as a religious obligation. It's just another thing to kind of check off a list and say, I've done that. And again, as we talk about it right here, that Jesus didn't come to, so that humanity could have another religion. He came so that we could have a relationship with him. And if we would begin to view prayer as, instead of as a religious duty, and we begin to view it as relational connection, it would take on a whole new meaning for us. That we would begin to see it in such a way that I'm praying not because I have to, but because I want to connect with the Lord. You know, Tina and I have been married 35 years and, um, and you know, we, um, we were so different when we got married. We really were. You know, I mean, she's, I'm, I'm from Oklahoma. She was from another country, California. And so, um, and we just, you know, just our lives were different and man and, and we were just, you know, just things that we would just have conflict over. And man, there was a season in our life, a few decades, that was almost like daily we'd have some kind of conflict and that type of thing. When we began to just engage with each other, just in conversation and in relationship, that it was amazing how it began to impact the way that we dealt with each other. That our marriage began to take on a new form. It was one of those things that we liked being with each other. And all of that started with whenever things were not so much done out of obligation, but they were done because of our relationship. Well, our relationship with God is no different. That our fathers called us to him. Jesus came so that we could just partake of the water that he gives of the life that he gives, of who he is. The thing that set these people apart in the Bible that we look, like, look at was that they prayed. So many times I would look at them and I would think, well, they're not like me. They didn't struggle with the things I struggle with. They don't do the dumb things that I do. They don't, they don't get mad whenever somebody cuts them off in traffic. They don't get mad when somebody cuts in front of them in the line. They're just better. And yet, Elijah was one of the guys we just read about. And you look at his life. 
He was so depressed one time that he isolated himself and said to God, just take me. Just take me now. Nobody's serving God but me. Nobody wants you but me. Lord, my life's over. Just take me. And I began to read about things like that and his imperfection, and I began to realize that he and I had a lot more in common than I want to realize. But you know the one thing that separates he and I? Is that even in those moments he would pray. We see with Jabez that his beginning being so difficult, so challenging, that even in that moment, that for the rest of his life, he prayed. He prayed. And his prayer was not, Lord, this is all I have coming to me. No, man, his prayer was this. Please be with me in all that I do. Bless me. Expand my territory. Keep me from all trouble and pain. He prayed. That the thing that separated Elijah was not that Elijah was perfect. He wasn't. Sometimes he would have pity parties for himself. He would feel sorry for himself. And yet God still used him. Well, why would God use him and not use me? The thing that separates us is that even in the middle of his brokenness, he trusted God's goodness. How about you? What impacts your prayer life? Pastor, my mistakes. I, I've done so many things, man, I just don't feel worthy. So you're, you're letting your brokenness impact your prayers. Oh, Pastor Rick, I'm still struggling with this area in my life. You're letting the places you haven't grown in impact your prayers. Pastor Rick, who am I, man? I mean, why should I pray? Who am I? You're letting other people see you impact your prayers. Elijah struggled with the same things that we struggle with, but he still prayed. Jabez, whose beginning was one of pain, Still prayed. And when it describes him here, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. It doesn't mention his brothers prayed, but I'll bet they didn't have the same names he did. Their names probably were good names. They probably meant something positive. But Jabez prayed. And so this prayer of Jabez shows us that prayer sets us apart. It it sets us apart. It, it helps us get to the place that God wants us to be. It, it sets us apart. Let's look at number three, and we'll close with this. And again, it says, he was the one who prayed to the God of Israel. Oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And God granted him his request. Thank you so much. I want to drink a little tea in front of you if that's okay. That's really good stuff, by the way. Anyway, it says that, he, and this is what he prayed. He started out, first of all, he said, oh, that you would bless me. Isn't that kind of a funny way to pray? If somebody came up to me and said, Rick, what have you been praying for? I'm just praying that God really blesses me. You'd be like, Really? How unselfish of you. I mean, we would have that mindset, like, why would we pray that, right? Oh, that you would bless me. The King James puts it this way, bless me indeed. And in the Hebrew, it means, oh, that you would really bless me. I mean, really. In other words, it's this expectation that God's goodness wants to invade our lives. You know, that, that he prayed, that, oh, that you would bless me. I mean, really bless me and, and expand my territory. 
Now, to expand my territory means to enlarge his influence. You know, one of the things that we pray as a church is that God would increase our influence. I remember when I first came here, when we would pray that, um, or I would pray, Lord, I, I want to be one of the churches that when the community needs something, that, that, that they'll reach out to us, that we'll be that church, that we can be a help and partner with our community and share the love of God with them and, and earn the right to tell people about Jesus. You know, we had a situation last week. Um, one of the people that go here, uh, Jennifer uh, Baskus, she's an assistant principal at um, Catalea. And they were doing it. Yeah, give Catalea a big hand. That's right. So um, um, that's like a weak hand. Anyway, give them a big hand. So, yeah. But they were doing uh, kind of a development day or whatever. I know I'm messing that up. But anyway, she's, hey, can, can you guys help us with breakfast? And we're like, absolutely. So we called the Bend Abouts band and they, they rocked it. They brought it. And, and it was just so cool to be able to be a part of that. Lord, expand our territory. I'm driving away from that moment. I thought about this. My son David teaches at Rusa, and Chrissy Willard, who's the principal at Rusa, goes to our church. I'm like, and if we if we did breakfast for this school, we should probably do lunch for them. So I call my friend uh, Chris Hayes, who who owns uh, Farley's, probably on his day off, the one day off he gets. And I call him like an hour before I need him, and I'm like, Hey, can you make me like a lot of hamburgers? And he's like, Okay. And so I didn't know where he was at the time until he said, Well, I've, I've got a I've got to get out of my pajamas and get my clothes on so I can go make hamburgers. And I'm like, you're welcome. You know, I mean, it was one of those. But, you know, and I'm grateful to him. And, and so they did. And we were able to take, you know, this, this lunch thing to Roos as they were going through it. I say all that for a couple of reasons. One is the reason we're able to do this because of you guys. You enable us to do that through your giving. But also it's our desire that our territory, that God expand our influence. The ability to have our voice in places to be good to people, to let them know that God sees them, that he notices them, that if, if they feel times unappreciated and unvalued, that God's called them and placed them there and that they matter to him. And so Jabez's prayer was, first of all, his prayer, first of all, was bless me and expand my territory. Bless me. I mean, really bless me. When's the last time you prayed that? God bless me, let your good hand be upon my life. Bless my marriage. Let your good hand be upon my marriage. Bless our kids. Let your good hand be upon, really bless their life and what they put their hand to. God, stir up my heart. This was Jabez's prayer it marked his life. And it didn't stop there. He said this, please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. Well, for his name to me, sorrow. And yet he said, keep me from all trouble and pain. His prayer was, God, don't let me become who they say I am. God, help me to, to pull away from those things that have held on to me to the identity that other people have labeled me with. Help me, to, help me to be released from that and just your good hand be upon my life. I'll say this to the parents. Parents, that's why it's so important. The words that we speak over our kids to declare God's promises over them. 
to let them hear who they were made to be. They, they have a whole world out there that takes them seriously. And it's constantly trying to declare who they are and who their identity is. And that's why we live in such a generation that struggles with the most, with the most basic thing, and that is identity. You don't find it anywhere apart from Jesus. And so we get into his presence and we begin to pray and he begins to reveal those things to us. And what Jabez shows us is that our prayers, that we were never called to be small prayers. But because we serve a big God, that we've been called to pray big prayers. Let me share this with you. You know, years ago, how many of you remember Y2K? Remember Y2K? World was going to end. Do you remember that? Do you remember that? That season, world's going to end. We're going to be destitute and stuff. How many, how many remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a real thing. Anyway, um, so we were preparing for it. I was working at a church we own staff, and we were talking about, we always did a lock-in for our teenagers uh, on New Year's Eve through, through New Year's. And this was going to be different because we'd never had one before where the world was going to end. And so, um, um, and so we talked about what can we do, you know, let's create an event and that type of thing. And so it was me and the, the, the pastor, Pastor Swan, and then another guy that was on staff, Troy Smotherman. And we're sitting there talking and Troy said this. And he said, you know, he said, the Lord spoke to me the other day. And he said, just, and for him, it was like a God thought. When he said, spoke to him, it was like, this thought came, it had to be God. He said, and, and I wrote this down because I want to get right. He said this. He said, they felt like the Lord spoke to him. He said, dream big, ask big, for I'm big. So we're looking at, you know, we're talking about this event. What can we do? And he begins to talk about things that we should do at the event. And I mean, he was passionate about it. And I was sitting there thinking, I, I'm going to have to comfort this guy because I don't know what, I mean, he's like thinking way too big. I mean, that's all really nice and stuff like that, but but let's be realistic here. I was really a man of faith. And so he, as he was listening to these things, he said, we should do an event, maybe get the school involved, and we'll do this big drama thing that's evangelistic in nature. We'll, we'll have all sorts of food and just different things take place at this. And he said, and we'll give away, like we'll have some student, we'll give away a new car to a student that's there. And I'm like, how much are they paying this guy? I mean, because I know with my salary, we're not buying any new cars. We'd start with my family if we did. And so he's talking, and I know better than to say, get real. But as he's just talking, I mean, I just kept my mouth shut. I knew enough to do that. And we just continued talking, and the three of us, and then all of a sudden, these ideas began to spring up. And I really believe it was the Lord just kind of doing that because his prayer was so big. It was so huge, but yet it, it said something about how he viewed God when he prayed, that he viewed God as, as a big God. And it wasn't just his power that was big, it was his goodness. It's one thing if you think God can do it, but then also to understand that he's, he's a good God. And so when your prayers are connected, not just with his ability, but with his nature. And so we had this huge event. We had over a thousand students. We had a bunch of kids give their life to God. Some kid had a memory. He won a brand new Mustang, that type of thing. And, and um, it was just a reminder to me 
that we should pray big prayers. And Jabez, the prayer of Jabez says this right here, that the thing it teaches us is to pray big prayers. The size of our prayers is a reflection of how we view God. That Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And then in Luke 18, verse 1, Jesus said this. One day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray. Everybody say, always pray. And never give up. Say, never give up. So that in our prayers that Jesus said, man, we should always be praying and we should never give up. Jabez, whose life started out being known for the, for the miserable way that he was born into the world, that he became, he became a man that would pray, that would engage with God. And it wasn't just using God as just kind of as his Santa Claus. I'm sure that he was there surrendering his life, following him, living in obedience as best as he could. But in all of that, trusting the goodness of God as he prayed, God bless me. Expand my territory. Give me, give me influence to represent you. Help me not to cause pain in other people's lives. Don't let me be who people say I am. And God granted him his request. I think sometimes, you know, we lose the sight of what Jesus said. We should always pray and never give up. I think sometimes because it takes so long that we quit. Sometimes it doesn't happen as fast as we want it to. And so we give up. I know that in here there are people in here that there was a season in your life that there was something going on in you that these big prayers were birthed in your heart of what you wanted to see God do, of how you wanted to see him move in the lives of people that you know, of how you wanted to be used by him. But life went along and every now and then you'd fail or you know, your brokenness would show up or just those type of things. The devil would come along and say, you know, why would God use you? You're so imperfect. Or sometimes it would take such a long time, you'd think, well, maybe he hasn't heard me. And you'd be discouraged by the amount of time that it's taken. What if you re-engaged? What if we learned from Jabez this confidence that he had that God's faithfulness is more certain than a calendar? What if we pick those prayers back up? And even when we fail, we get back up and we run to the grace of God and we're reminded that he hears us not because we're good, but because he's good. And we begin to pray again. And time may go on, but we're going to take Jesus' words to heart that we should always pray. We're, we're always going to pray about this and never give up. And as we do that, that even though some people may see us as a failure, some people may see us without much potential, some people may see us only through our mistakes and our past, and yet they don't limit who God has made us to be. And the only place that we find who we were created to be is with him. And that begins to define how we pray. Not who they say we are, but who we know him to be. We begin to pray and we, we begin to ask God to do big things. When I pray for the church, my desire is, is that people will really, really, really be introduced to Jesus. Not just 
respond in a moment, but have a, a relationship with him that's genuine, that's marked with surrender, marked with acceptance of him, following him. And that what, how he uses here is so significant that it changes lives, yes, but the change is so great that it doesn't stop here. It changes a community. Oh, that you would bless us. Really, really bless us in the impact that we have in the generation that we live. When many people have sounded the alarm and said that there's no hope, we pray to you, the God of hope. And we ask in the name of Jesus that you would use us that, that the biggest thing in our life would not be the, the, just the appeal or the lure of sin, but the biggest thing in our life is to have a relationship with you, Father, and to see who we're made to be as we learn to trust you. Bless us indeed. What if that was our prayer? What if it was your prayer? Some of you had a season where you did what Jabez did. You, you received the forgiveness of God. You, put, you left your failures at the cross. You began to pray, but time went on and you messed up again. You came across some of those old relationships that couldn't see you any other way than the way that you were. And somewhere along the line, you, you set those prayers down and, and you kind of just went back to living that identity that somebody else set for you. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will deal with you right now. From back to the cross, back to the grace of God. Leave your failures there. Leave the labels and identity that others have given you there. And be the one that says, they're the one who prayed. And it begins to reveal who God's made you to be. And he demonstrates not just how great he is, but how good he is. God granted him his request. I want you to, just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Let's just spend a moment with God and for some of you to resurrect that. Maybe you... You picture yourself back at the cross, leaving your failures there. Jesus, I begin to pray these big prayers to a God that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you could ask or think. Let's just spend a moment with God. God.